we will be uh, continuing our series on James. We'll be reading James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 1012. Uh, well, but keep your finger there. Before we turn there, let us go to Isaiah chapter 32. I'll be reading verses 16 uh, to 20. If you're reading the, uh, from the Pew Bible, that's 593. A beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus, uh, this is God's holy, infallible, and abiding word, so give your full attention to it. Uh, Isaiah 32, beginning in verse 16. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And it will hail when the forest falls down, and the city will be utterly laid low. Happy are you who sow besides all waters, who let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free. Let's turn now to James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, So, real quick... Since it's been a while since we were in James, let me just remind you where we left off. Uh, James warned us, particularly those who desire to teach in the church, about how powerful the tongue can be. He said it can be incredibly destructive. Don't even think about teaching if you can't control your tongue, James says. Because the tongue has the capacity to set fire to an entire community. And so James is following up on that. In our passage this morning, James wants us to to see what wisdom looks like. Everyone needs wisdom, but especially those who want to teach in the church. And so here's 
Here's our simple message this morning. True wisdom is shown by making peace in the community. True wisdom is shown by making peace in the community. Uh, What we're going to see in this passage are two types of wisdom. A wisdom from below and a wisdom from above. And that's going to be our outline this morning. Below and above, right? Uh, So James opens with a question that will permeate this entire section. He asks, who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, Those words, wisdom and understanding, they're a common combination in the Old Testament. And they often describe the teachers and the leaders of Israel. In fact, that's how they were chosen among the people. And you'll see that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1. Teachers and leaders were to be wise and possess understanding. Uh, But here's the question. How do you know you have those qualities? Well, James says... You have to show it by what you do, by your good works. I mean, that shouldn't surprise us at this point. Because isn't that exactly what he said about faith in chapter 2? Do you have living faith? Then let it show. Show it by the way you live your life. And so same thing here. You say you're wise and and you have understanding, then demonstrate it. Work it out. Show it in your life. Because remember, for James, wisdom isn't theoretical. It's not just some more information for you to digest. Otherwise, everyone in our culture will be wise. We have access to information like never before. You can ask Siri or Alexa anything, and they have answers. But make no no mistake about it. Alexa nor Siri can't impart wisdom to you. Because wisdom, wisdom is the ability to live in accordance to God's character. I I like this from one writer. He said, Wisdom transcends cognitive mastery of facts and information. It is skill in living according to God's moral order. You see, real wisdom goes to work. Wisdom is tangible. It makes an appearance in the way you behave. As James says, it shows itself in meekness. I love that. James is calling us to do the good works of wisdom with vulnerability, with non-aggression, with gentleness. Wisdom doesn't retaliate when it is criticized. It doesn't respond with harshness. It consistently and persistently operates in meekness. But what does the wisdom from below look like? Well, it is diametrically opposed to that meekness. Instead, it creates bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Why? Because this kind of wisdom is about the self It's about acquisition and competition. It puts a spell on you. Your mind thinks in terms of scarcity. What you have is never enough. In fact, you'll feel cheated when you see other people flourishing. It makes you constantly crave things that don't belong to you. And not only that, 
It makes you step on others when you don't get what you want. And you'll begin to boast. You'll take pride when you do get what you want. You'll take pride in your accomplishments. James calls this being false to the truth. Because you know what the truth is? The truth is all good things come from God. But the wisdom from below makes you believe that it comes from you. And so this wisdom clearly doesn't find its origin in God. This is why James says that it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It is fleshly and opposed to the things of God. It's demonic. Where have we heard that before? I mean, didn't James just tell us about the faith of demons in chapter 2? James says demons have knowledge of who God is, but they don't live according to that knowledge. Uh, So what's James' point by calling the wisdom from below demonic? His point is that it could talk, but it can't walk. Wisdom that leads to bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is a phantom. It is not real, because where envy and selfishness exist, true wisdom is absent. Uh, Do you remember Joseph's brothers? You see, Joseph had a lot of brothers, uh, but none of them were very happy with him. Why? Uh, Because their father loved Joseph the most. Uh, Not to mention, Joseph had a dream that he would rule over them one day. I mean, to be honest, I think that would be hard to take to hear from your brother, right? It would make any of us jealous. You mean we'll have to submit to you at some point? Get out of here. They were so jealous, they were ready to kill him. And they would have if Reuben didn't persuade them to throw him in a pit instead. But that's what the wisdom from below does to us. It makes us jealous and bitter, and full of envy. But here's, here's the thing. This selfish and earthly wisdom isn't just self-inflictive. It doesn't just make us personally jealous and selfish. This wisdom also destroys communities. Because what does this scarcity mindset lead to? Well, it leads to division and chaos. Or as James puts it, There will be disorder. Um, Did you guys know we live with Godzilla? (laughs) A very small and cute Godzilla. Actually, we call him the destroyer. Uh, Because the boy can make a really big mess. He's so little, but he can destroy so much. Uh, Just the other night, my wife said this, and these are her exact words. You're truly a destructive force of nature, Ames. Everything is so gross, bud. Everything is so gross. Those are her words. The moment he wakes up and to the moment he goes to sleep, it seems like his only goal is to make a mess. I mean, I know I'm not the cleanest person, but this boy can mess everything up. Send help, right? I don't know if this is normal, but I feel like 90% of parenting uh, toddlers is putting things back together, bringing order out of chaos. 
you know, we were never meant for disorder. Because our God is not like that. Paul says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And we'll be talking about peace in a little bit. But for now, notice Paul's point. God is a God of order. Why? Because He loves peace. And the way He accomplishes that is by bringing order. By working to make things the way they should be. I mean, what do we see from the beginning of the world? We're told the world is formless and void. It is chaotic. It is without order. So first, thing, uh, first things first. God works order in the universe. He gets to work. If you think about it, this is God's wisdom at work. God shows His, his wisdom by His good works. But the wisdom from below brings confusion. That's why we know it doesn't come from God. And not only does it breed divisions, it also incites violence. James calls it every vile practice. I mean, can you imagine a community like that? Confused and violent. That's what this wisdom from below brings to the table. It destroys a community. Beloved, you know, you know it's easy to see this foolishness in others. But it is far harder to see it in ourselves. And so we need self-reflection. We need to look deep inside of ourselves, because in many ways, we all have disordered lives and disordered hearts. And so we need to ask questions to ourselves like, in what ways am I infected by jealousy and resentment? Do I ever do things to incite conflict and divisions? Do I do that? Am I governed and driven by the wisdom from below. And so that's the wisdom from below. Now we want to look at the wisdom from above. Uh, First of all, James describes it as the wisdom from above. I mean, by calling it that, calling it wisdom from above, James is alluding to something he said in chapter 1, where he said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Uh, So it goes something like this. If wisdom is from above, then it is a gift from God. It doesn't originate from ourselves like the wisdom from below. It is not earthly because it comes from God. Uh, Which means you don't ultimately earn this wisdom with more intellectual effort or even more life experiences. Yes, you need those things, but they're only instruments. Because ultimately, you have to ask for this kind of wisdom. You need to pray for it. We possess it more by desperation than exertion. James said it earlier in chapter 1. True wisdom is something we receive from God when we ask for it. In faith, God freely gives it to us. If God freely gives it to us, then there's never any reason for jealousy 
and selfishness. I want you to listen to James's description of the wisdom from above. Uh, he gives us seven attributes, uh, which, by the way, is the number of completion uh, or perfection in the Bible. Uh, so this is what perf- perfect wisdom looks like for James. He says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Uh, let me talk about these attributes real quick, uh, but remember to keep them in the context of teaching, uh, because James wants us to cultivate uh, wise teachers in the church. So these are the ap- attributes uh, they should possess, uh, and that's, that's a narrow context. He wants wise teachers, but of course, wisdom also apply, applies to everyone, every one of us. Uh, James says wisdom is first and foremost pure. Uh, I like how one writer puts it. He says, wisdom from above is free from moral pollution. In other words, it is not tainted with evil. It doesn't make moral compromise. I mean, nobody likes brown water. Uh, Real wisdom is crystal clear water. It is meant to refresh us. Uh, Then James says, the wisdom from above is then peaceable. It's the person who fosters good relationships between people and other people, and between God and people. He wants God's design for relationships to be experienced. I mean, boy, how important is that in the church? And James knows this. That's why he he spends more, uh, more time and real estate Uh, on it in the following verse. Uh, But then James says, the wisdom from above is gentle. Uh, The background behind this this word is really interesting. Uh, It has to do with how one responds in adversity and scrutiny uh, when things get hard. Uh, Here's how the word is used in the Jewish literature of James' time. Uh, Listen to this. It says, Lest, uh, let us test him with insult and torture so that we may find out how gentle he is. Uh, you see, wisdom doesn't overreact. It is steadfast in character. So part of the way you know you're walking in the path of wisdom is when you can remain gentle and meek in the face of hardship. When you don't respond with harshness or retaliation or pouting, but you can stay calm under trial. Uh, The ESV has open to reason for the next attribute. Uh, I I probably prefer persuadable or willing to conform a little bit better, Uh, but what does that mean? Uh, It means the wise person is teachable. He's willing to be corrected or rebuked. He's open to doing things differently. It, It means... Doing it better. Uh, Let me tell you, people who think they know it all and aren't willing to conform to what is right, people who can't be taught, are not fit to be teachers in the church because they can't teach us how to be wise. Because that's the goal of teaching, isn't it? It's to teach wisdom to people. 
James goes on to combine two things to make one attribute. Uh, He says, genuine wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. Uh, It shows mercy to the poor and vulnerable, uh, which is his whole point in chapter 1 and 2. These are the good works shown to those who really need it. That's what wisdom does. It condescends to the lowly and to the poor. Then wisdom, um, James says, is impartial. It shows no partiality. We've seen that before, haven't we? In chapter 2, wisdom doesn't give preference to some and not others so that they can gain from people. Remember, uh, there were people in the community honoring the rich and dishonoring the poor. Why? Because they wanted to get something out of it. But wisdom doesn't act like that. It doesn't act for self-gain. It is not impartial to others so that it can benefit from them and dishonor others because they don't benefit from them. And lastly, James says wisdom is sincere or it is without hypocrisy. You see, bona fide wisdom doesn't say one thing and do another thing. The saying, do what I say and not what I do, doesn't fly with wisdom. I mean, how many people do you know are like that? They say one thing and then do another thing. Or maybe you see it in yourself. But you know you're veering from the path of wisdom when you find that your words and your actions don't match. Because wisdom is consistent in word and in deed. You see, all of these, the wisdom from above always takes a humble posture. It seeks to be self-giving, not selfish and envious. God's wisdom always challenges us away from ourselves towards God and other people. And so let me ask you this. Are there places in your life right now where this kind of wisdom isn't present? Because if there are, then James says you need to ask for wisdom. And know this. God gives without reproach. He's not stingy with his wisdom. So go ask for it. God will bring down, bring down his wisdom from heaven to give it to you. He's that lavish when it comes to wisdom. Go ask for it. Uh, James ends this section with these beautiful words. Uh, I like how the CJB translation uh, puts it. It says, The peacemakers who sow seed in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Notice what James says about peace here. He says, Peace is made. Uh, The CJB uses the title, Peacemakers. It is captured also in the idea that peace is sown with, um, like a seed. Uh, this is clearly an important idea uh, James took from his brother. 
his brother Jesus, uh, who said on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall, shall be called sons of God. Uh, peacemaking is part of our identity as the children of God. It is not an option. The world will recognize us and call us the, God, uh, the children of God when we are making peace, not with just each other, but also uh, those around us. Because what is the world seeing when we are making peace? They are seeing the wisdom from above coming down. Uh, Proverbs 3 talks of wisdom this way. It says, Her ways are ways of, uh, of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. I want you to understand that peace is really the opposite of disorder. Uh, because peace is when things are going the way God has intended. When things are operating according to God's design. It's wholeness. It's when there's healing between fractured people. Uh, but notice James doesn't say that peace just happens. Or it doesn't require any work. Uh, no, he says it requires making and sowing. Those are actions. Those are hard work. Back-breaking work. Making peace. Sowing peace. It's hard. You know, James embodied uh, what it means to sow peace and make peace. Uh, because remember how pivotal he was in the early church. Early on, uh, the Jewish church struggled with what to do with the Gentiles. Uh, according to God's plan, Gentiles are now fully included in the family of God without, becoming, without having to become Jewish. Uh, but the Jewish believers were complaining about Paul. Oh, you know, that Paul doesn't follow the law. And he's teaching everyone else not to follow the law. Uh, this was a major conflict early on in the church. Uh, but in James, we encounter a peacemaker. We see the kind of wisdom that advocates for other people. He allowed Paul to demonstrate his faithfulness to the law so the Jewish believers would get off his back but he also took counsel with other leaders to make provisions for his Gentile brothers and sisters. He affirmed their place in the family of God. James made peace. Uh, go back with me to chapter 2 real quick. In verse 16, James chides those uh, who say to their brother in need, Go in peace and be warm and filled. Then he shuts the door and doesn't do anything about his brother's physical need. Go in peace. Right? And do you see the connection? Peace can't merely be an exchange of words. It has to be actively made. It has to use hands and feet. Otherwise, it's meaningless and useless. In other words, you can't just say peace, right? You have to make and sow peace. 
It has to be made and not just talked about. Because if we aren't intentionally being peacemakers, even talk of peace will be hard. Uh, We see this in Joseph's uh, brothers. Uh, Listen to this. Genesis 37 verse 4. It says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. They couldn't do it. Because they were so consumed with the wisdom from below, they couldn't even pretend to say nice things to Joseph. That's what it does to us. But when there's, interna- uh, when there's inten- intentionality and action to make peace and not just talk of it, James says there will be a harvest of righteousness. Uh, let me just say, I think it's really easy to sterilize the word righteousness. Uh, righteousness tends to be an abstract concept. It becomes something we can't reach. Uh, but I think James doesn't think that at all. James is simply thinking about making things right. Uh, for him, making peace creates right actions in the community. Uh, That's why we need to be peacemakers, uh, especially those who desire to teach. Uh, The word righteousness uh, in our passage can also mean justice. Uh, The two are really interchangeable and are deeply connected. Both have to do with making things right and doing things right. Uh, We saw this in our Old Testament reading earlier in, in Isaiah chapter 32. Uh, where God promises to give us a righteous king who will give us peace. And here's how Isaiah pictures that day. Uh, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. Uh, So wherever there is righteousness or justice, there is peace. Uh, James calls that the wisdom from above. Uh, Pastor Brett talked about Jesus bringing peace to earth last week. Uh, Jesus Christ is the righteous king that Isaiah prophesied about. God's son, God's wisdom from above, came down to earth. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to sow peace wherever he went. But you know, making peace... Making peace is never cheap. It is incredibly costly. And so the question is, how far would you go to make peace? Uh, The Prince of Peace hung suspended on a Roman cross. He was nailed for our sins on that cursed tree so that he can say to us, it is finished. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The incarnate wisdom of God has brought us peace. He came and cleaned up our mess. That is the gospel. The gospel that has brought us peace. Uh, let, me, let me end with a few reflections. Uh, beloved, don't you sense that we need the wisdom from above more than ever? Uh, Why? Because we live in a fractured world. Look around you. 
there is chaos and disorder. And it's not only out there, it's also in the church. Jealousy and selfish ambitions fill the hearts of many. People are committed to themselves and others like themselves. And so we need wisdom. And it's even more pressing now, isn't it? Well, because it's, it's election season. Tensions are high. And so what does wisdom have to say to our political climate? To the political landscape that, that operates out of a scarcity mindset? Partisanship makes us treat people we disagree with as competition. It's us against them. It's about winning. That doesn't sound like the wisdom from above. It sounds like the wisdom from below. And so we can't fall into the trap of modern politics. We can't be more committed to our political party than we are to making peace. You know, I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I am telling you to examine what's important to you. If your politics causes you to hate your neighbor, then you can bet that's not the wisdom from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Or what does wisdom have to say to the way we treat each other in this global pandemic? What's your priority? Is it comfort or is it peace? Is it to serve your neighbor or is it to serve yourself? Is it to do what's right or is it to do what's easy? You see, the wisdom from above doesn't always lead to what is easy and comfortable, but it, would, but it will always lead to righteousness. It will always lead us to do what is right. It will always lead us to love God and our neighbors. Uh, friends, eating and drinking together is a sign of peace. Enemies don't share a meal unless they have to. But those at peace, a meal is a source of delight and joy. And so the Lord happily invites you to this meal this morning. This meal is the wisdom from above. It is a reminder that God has sown peace and has made peace with us. But it's not just a reminder. When we come, we eat and drink we come again to experience that peace that Jesus Christ has earned for us. So that we, as his people, as the children of God, might be better peacemakers in this fractured world, following the footsteps of the Prince of Peace. Amen. O oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you alone are worthy of all the praise, honor, and glory. And so may our offering of thanksgiving be pleasing in your sight. We worship you for your ever-abundant generosity towards us. We thank you for your holy word that gives us life. Help us to be wise by making peace. Grant us the fruit of righteousness. Fix our eyes on him who is the wisdom from above, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.